Good morning, ladies. Good morning. morning, Rick. I'm Brett Kruger. I'm Remy Greer. And this morning, I'm we have, oh, <laughs> this morning we have a special guest with us, Kay Walters. Um, welcome to Coffee with the Cowgirls, Kay. Thank you. Uh, before we get started with Kay, how was your weekend, Remy? Good. I was trying to think what we did this weekend. Uh, I don't remember what I did. Oh, we had an RSNC on Sunday, but I don't remember what I did on Saturday. So I think it was blissfully uneventful this weekend. It's not a bad dealio. <laughs> um, Brendan and I were gone. We had our first weekend away together in a really long time. The boys stayed home and went duck, duck hunting. We left them at home with all the horses and the things. And, and weapons. They were good. They were good. They were really good. We came home. The barns were clean. The house was what I would call clean for them. Uh, I was happy with that. I felt good. So did they, did they get a lot of ducks? And you didn't have to go duck hunting this year then? No, I should not have to go duck hunting. According to my dumpster, they did get some ducks because the feathers are all in there, which tells me they cleaned them somewhere. Not sure where. Um, uh, it was a good day, good weekend for them. They did a little manly things and yeah, proud of my boys. How about you, Kay? Do you have a good weekend? We did. We went on the lake and did some fishing. Nice. I was thought you'd probably say you were roping this weekend. I picked up a new horse Saturday, but we're not, we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> The verdict's still out. I'm taking it. Yeah. <laughs> like I like, I never like to announce that I'm going anywhere. You know, if people are like, "Oh, I'm going to this show on Facebook," I'm like, "I'm not going to tell you if I went there because if I didn't do well, then I can pretend I did not go." <laughs> oh God, Remy, you're so calculated. <laughs> My, I, we had the, I'd ridden in a sword. We had a, we put on a charity sorting a couple weekends ago, and my one girlfriend. Christine texted me. She's like, did you not rot? She's like, are you not entered? Because I was up later. And then she's like, never mind. I found you. It was, it was no times. And I was like, could I tell you that I didn't enter? Just put it there. I was like, all right. She busted you. Did. It wasn't great. It wasn't my finest moment. Well, this morning we have a guest with us, uh, Kay Walters from Seneca, South Carolina. Kay is the owner of Kay Walters Equine Insurance. I met Kay. Have you met Kay, Remy? I met her at Elite Finals, I think, in Fort Worth. Yes, Fort Worth. We were there. So I met her in Utah um, not very long ago, but Kay is a big part of, well, she's a sponsor for USTPA. Is that, would that be fair and correct, Kay? Yes, that's correct. Um, but Kay and I had got to talking. I'm sure Remy had conversations with her at Elite as well. Um, she's more than just an equine insurance salesman. Uh, she's got a pretty dang good story. And I think that it's very relative and relative to a lot of ours. And so she's going to share that with us today. Um, you want to just take a minute and introduce yourself, Kay, to our audience? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Kay Walters, owner of Kay Walters Insurance. Um, I run the business with a, a few helping hands. And so I've been in the business for three years. 
and it's it's going strong, growing year over year. Um, my husband and son and I team rope, and so that's what we typically do for fun or go fishing, obviously. And um, we have a farm here in Seneca, South Carolina, and so we're we're really busy on the farm, and then team rope for fun and and try to go fishing some, you know, hang out with friends and do family things. Um, but I grew up in Huntersville, North Carolina. And I worked in finance for 20 years-ish before I met my husband and moved down here to Seneca, South Carolina. Um, and then... Before we get into that, though, okay, um, I'm going to stop you. Yeah, that, that was part of my, I was going to say, um, into our intro or into our talk today, because that is when I talked with you, that was one of the interesting stories to me, pieces of your story to me. Right. Um, you know, Remy and I, Remy, you did not move far from home. You no. live in your vicinity, correct? Yes. You did not stray far from your circle. I mean, no, not, not, how about, not geographically, I didn't stray far. I, I mean, I just jumped a state basically. Um, but when we were talking or when I was talking with UK, you kind of led the a light or you, your thoughts were a lot like mine, I would say, as far as growing up about, you know, you were taught that you should go to college, you should get a nine to five and that is where your life was. And it took a drastic turn because you went from kind of like I did where you were working in corporate America and then went full entrepreneurship, just totally jumped abandoned ship, which, um, that is, it's a different deal for somebody who I think it's like brainwashing, right? I think of it as brainwashing now, like the whole work to corporate job, you have to work the corporate job to have a successful life. But, um, that's what, one of my questions to you today was, or what I wanted you to tell the audience a little bit is about how you went from corporate America to full on entrepreneurship. What drove that and how did you get there? Okay. Yeah. So um, obviously I was used to the nine to five, the structure, the big company, the extra benefits, you know, it's one of the things that you consider when you decide to, um, create your own business or go out on your own is, well, I'm going to lose health insurance and it's expensive. You know, that's one of the things that crosses your mind. Um, unless you obviously you have a spouse that can provide the insurance, but my husband's a farmer, so he's self-employed too. Um, so that was one of the things that's, you know, insurance, um, you know, and then obviously there's a, a lot of other things like, you know, self-doubt. Am I really going to make it? How? Cause you worked in corporate America for how long, Kay? Total, like, because you had a span of jobs through it, I know. Yeah. So, I mean, I worked in finance and pretty much corporately nine to five for about, I'd say, 17 years-ish. That was my turning point, too. Yeah. <laughs> that was right, your marker. Good number, I guess. Um, Must be. Must be how long it takes a person to get through mentally, like, preparing right. yourself. Right, for sure. Like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And then I guess, uh, you know, the one of the other driving factors was, um, you know, having a baby. Um, he he was in the NICU for a week and um, 
I'm really OCD and controlling and I didn't want anybody else to feed him and take care of him. I wanted to just, you know, we prayed and prayed for this one. And, um, you know, I know a lot of women struggle with pregnancy and um, all that. And so that was one of the, in, in the cards for us too. So, you know, once you have this human, this tiny human that you created, and it's your job to make sure that this little tiny human is is healthy and you're doing all the right things. And um, I think that was part of it. Like I just could not let go and put him in daycare or with family members um, full time, you know, eight to five, Monday through Friday. Like I felt like I never got to see him. And, um, so that was, that was a pushing drive too. It gives, it gives you, um, it helps you dig deep, you know, when it's not just you that you're doing it for, you know, you're doing it for your family and your children. And that poor boys, Kate, (laughs) she's got the help of her mother though. Bless you. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take all the help I can get. (laughs) Yeah. It takes a village, huh? (laughs) She's got the little dirty farm boys too. So you can imagine. I do as well. I've got the dirty farm boys too. They're the best. They are. So how long after your, how long after your son went into NICU, did you end up leaving corporate America? So I actually was on bed rest before I had him and I was lucky enough to work for a great company that brought me work um, to home. And so I continued to work on bed rest um, and then I had him and he stayed in the NICU for a week. And then obviously I took my maternity leave and I started going back part time. And it finally got to the point where it was like, okay, you know, your part time's up. You need to come back full time. And that's when I just couldn't just, you know, I was like, I can't like it it was all I could do to go to the office and be there three days a week from eight to five. And I had my Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday and Sunday with him all day. But um, thinking about giving up, you know, those Tuesday, Thursday, I couldn't do it. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to resign and figure it out, (laughs) you know. Um, You said you were on bed rest. Was that hard? So I was on bed rest with my, I had a really bad miscarriage in between my first two pregnancies. And then my third pregnancy, I had bleeding. So I was on bed rest for like until week 16 and mentally for me it was really really hard was it hard for you or very yes i don't think i would have been very good patient for that um i don't think i was either you just somehow figure it out like i went to preterm labor at 28 weeks i was riding the combine with my husband on a sunday and um I went into preterm labor, was in the hospital for a day or so, I think, and they stopped my labor, but then they put me on medicine, you know, to keep him baking, I guess. And it made you feel bad. And, you know, I wasn't like, I guess you wouldn't call it hundred percent bed rest. Like I could go from the bed to the bathroom, to the recliner. Um, and my husband would get home from work and I'd say, walk me to the barn. And he's like, you're supposed to, I know I'm supposed to be, but walk me to the barn. I need to smell my horses and I will walk right back <laughs> and I'll sit back down. So it was very um, mentally challenging, right? Because you can, I'm not a TV show, movie watcher kind of person. So there's only so much you can try to interest yourself in on TV. And so I found um, myself trying to read books and, it, you know, I think maybe that's what helped uh, build the block to when I decided that I, I couldn't do corporate America anymore. Luckily, I had used those six weeks to kind of 
build up knowledge, uh, business, more business knowledge, I guess, on how basically how to make it out on your own. What are some of the things that, you know, you can do? Um, because knitting and cross stitching wasn't for me either. My mother-in-law, bless her heart, tried to help me. And I think I got a stitch about, you know, a couple inches wide and a couple inches long. And I was like, I'm sorry, this isn't for me. <laughs> so, um, it was tough. It was tough. No, I mean, so it was hard. I was dirty. It, oh, I was ahead, it hard. I, like, um, I think it's one of those things that people don't talk about. I know we're going to go off onto more things, but I do think it's tough because the same, so I had the same, I had modified bed rest. That's what they call it. Um, my OB knows what we do for a living, which includes me moving a lot of panels and riding. So she told me I couldn't lift anything heavier than a gallon of milk. Hmm. I could drive the truck and trailer. I couldn't drive the tractor and I couldn't drive the trailer with it out like with away, like 45 minutes away or farther. So I had to stay at home. And for me, I was used to working all the time. So mentally, like it was a very bad spot for me to be what I felt like was useless even though right. I caught up on a bunch of things, but it made me feel really bad. And uh, it also, as a woman, makes you feel like your body's failing at the one thing it's supposed to be able to do. I went into preterm labor with him, but I they gave me the shots in the hospital and I didn't have to take further medication after that. But Yeah, so. I, I would agree with you on that. It, you know, it kind of makes you feel like the four walls are closing in that you see and that your whole world just stopped. I mean, obviously, you know, it makes you thankful that you made it to the point where you did have a healthy baby and you don't want to be negative per se. Cause you know, a lot of people don't get that opportunity, but you know, in the moment it is very difficult. You do feel useless and you feel um, insufficient, you know, insufficient as, as a woman, as a mother, as a, as a mom, as a wife, like all the things, because all the things that you were doing got put to a stop. And so I, I completely sympathize with you on that. That's spot on. Okay, when you were on bed rest, then that, I love the part about, you probably weren't even thinking about it at the time, that that was the turning point for your entrepreneurship goals or the road, the start of the road to entrepreneurship. Right. Is that correct? Yeah, I wouldn't say that, um, I honestly knew it a hundred percent, you know, That's what I'm saying like you had right. no idea at the time that that is where that that was leading. Right. For sure. I just, I was trying to use the best uh, time of my time, I guess, you know, trying to do something more productive than watch Jerry Springer or whatever. Um, so, and it did, it did keep your mind off of like some of the things Rumi, Rumi was talking was about, it, say. you know, tried to, uh, take a little of that headspace away. Um, but you're right. Like I didn't realize that what I was doing was a building block to entrepreneurship for sure. So funny, like looking back at those moments in your life, like at the time you, you weren't even thinking about what you're doing. And then it's like, oh shit, that is, that is what was actually happening, happening. And that's what, this is what conspired out of that moment. And those are crazy revelations, I suppose. Right. Yeah, for sure. So then after you had the baby, you brought him home and realized that the nine to five was not for you anymore, then what happened, Kay? Then, you know, I just took a break. Um, I was actually a stay-at-home mom 
um, for a couple of years and um, I worked around the farm with my husband and I just spent all the time I could and soaked every moment up with our little boy um, probably for the next two years ish. And then um, I kind of got to the point, like Remy said, like, okay, I, I'm helping on the farm and doing all the things that I was used to doing, but I still didn't, I still felt like there was a missing piece of, I'm not really helping provide either. I am because I'm helping my husband and I'm taking That's care of our son. Saying. But right, like I felt um, like I still needed monetarily to add to the family. Um, Cause I, I, I mean, I always had a, a successful job with a good income and um, we were fine without mine, but we could have been better and I could have been helping build a retirement plan or something. You know, that's, that's just how my brain works as a business minded woman that, um, you know, I enjoyed every moment of the stay at home mom life for two years, but then it got where I was like, okay, well, I'm not providing, we're not putting as much in savings. What about retirement? Because when I worked in finance, I built retirement plans. And so that was like drilled into me from, um, you were having a panic attack, <laughs> right? Like we're not putting anything in. Oh my God, we're going to both be 70 and I'm going to try to pick up bells of hay. Right. <laughs> so I actually, um, it kind of fell into my lap working for, um, a local veterinarian, an equine vet only, uh, not far from here, about 15 minutes from the house. And, um, and so that was really interesting to me something that I always thought I wanted to do was, you know, be a veterinarian, but I didn't take the time to go through all the schooling and all the things. And my best friend's a vet. And so I was like, well, I'll, I'll try it. You know, I'll work there part-time. And I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Uh, I worked with an equine surgeon and she did colic or she does currently colic surgery and sports medicine surgery and, and um, then general practice for horses. So I learned a lot there. Um, about the equine veterinarian world and equine medicine. Um, it was there that I got my certification for e uh, rehabilitation and sports massage therapy for horses. And so I took that time to learn a lot about, you know, the ins and outs of horses and muscles and joints and all the things. And um, I think that's what helped me when I decided that I wanted to go out on my own with equine insurance. I could see it, you know, when I worked in the office there, I could see the education of equine insurance lacking in the horse people, right? Like I've had horses my entire life. I've, you know, been competing in team ribbon since I was 19. And there was a lack of breakdown between the horse owner, the veterinarian and the insurance horse insurance. And there was a lot of misconstrusions. And so I don't feel like now, since I've been in the business for three years that I'm an equine insurance salesperson, I feel like I'm an educator. Like I like to talk about the benefits of equine insurance and why you need it. And I think um, the building block from stay at home mom to um, surgeon assistant or working at the equine facility helped me make the leap because I had better working knowledge to continue entrepreneurship. Um, into the equine insurance business. I know how hard it was, Kay, when I made the leap into full-time entrepreneurship. How hard was it for you? Because mentally you have to be so strong when you take that jump, you know, the initial jump. Yeah, it, 
for sure. Um, so obviously I spent a lot of time sitting down talking with my husband financially. Can we do this? Is it, is it time? Like, I feel like it's time. I'm not getting any younger. If I want to build a business and go entrepreneurship, I feel like now's the time, you know, our little boy was not a baby anymore, but he wasn't a busy teenager either, or, um, locked into sports every other night and all the things. And so I just felt like it was the right time. Um, he was five, four or five. And so I feel like it was the right time where, you know, he's now he's in kindergarten. So he has gone to school from, you know, eight to one or eight, whatever it was. And then he'll be in school, you know, the rest till 18, whatever. So I felt like it was a good time because I did have that window of him at school that I could focus on how to build and how to make it better, you know, and I'm not going to lie. There were days that I'd get up at five o'clock in the morning and look at the computer and say, Hmm, did I make the right decision? Am I really going to be able to make this work? Like, okay, what can I do today, you know, to, to make today better, to make the business better or how am I the next step to succeed? Right. Well, when we talked, Kay, you had said something and I had just, heard somebody else say it and I'm like gosh like spot on you hit the head on the nail and it was you work your ass off some days every day you're working your ass off but some days you work your ass off and you don't see any financial reward at the end of the day you know um and it that that can get frustrating after a while I don't know have you ever been there Remy where you're working your ass off and there's just no monetary I run cattle and train horses for a living. That is like 99% of my life. It's six out of the seven days a week. I, but so the hard, so the hard part, and you know, we talked about that a little bit. We've talked about it on the podcast, right? Like when you, when everything goes wrong and for us, a lot of things have gone very wrong, but when everything goes wrong, you're like, okay, so is this the test, right? Is this the test for me that I have to overcome? Is this God testing me? Or is this God telling me, like, bitch, look away. This is not for you. And so I'm too stubborn to walk away anyway. So I just take it all as a as a bad test. But it's so it's the same thing you talked about her being we well, talked about her being on bed rest and looking at this. It's like all roads lead to Rome. You just because like I have a I, it, again, Breck knows me pretty well. I have a very weird life plan. Not it's not a life plan. I believe that we're gonna get where we're going no matter what. We just can make it harder on ourselves to get there or easier on ourselves to get there. So uh, I see everything as a test, sometimes a very shitty test. And, um, but yeah, like I doubt myself all the time. And I'm the opposite, right? I, I went to prep schools. I went to a private college. I was supposed to be a professor or a lawyer. So when it's 95 degrees and I'm lifting heavy panels, I'm like, I definitely probably did not make the right choice in my life. Went down the wrong road. Damn it. <laughs> it took a really long road to get to where I'm going. That being said, you know. You I, know, um, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're working a nine to five or if you're self-employed. It's a headache at both of them, or it can be a headache at both of them. So it doesn't really matter. The only thing with self or entrepreneurship is that you're at the helm of the ship. You're holding the wheel. So you have to keep it afloat um, where you don't have that stress with a nine to five. You're not the one that's. Yeah, but you own it, right? It's yours. 
it so is yeah if it's successful it's your success um if it fails it's by that turn also your failure but i it's it's better to have something that you're trying to work for fail than i think to be hyper successful for someone else oh i'm totally all about it it took me 17 years though to get to that point where I am totally all about it, I, but I think that if you're going to work hard, no matter what, you might as well work hard in building your own brand and business. Um, yeah. And I think the thing, like, I have a lot of friends that, you know, again, prep school life, so I have a lot of friends that are hyper successful. A lot of them are, you know, now independent companies, but you could also fall into that trap, especially with corporate America, right? Well, they give you the raise so that you buy the car, so that you have to stay working for them. And then they give you the next raise, so you buy the house, so then you have to stay working for them because it's always a step up. And that's why I said geographically, I'm not far from where I grew up, but um, lifestyle-wise, I'm a lot different. Um. Yeah, it when Kay, when you told when we talked when we had our conversation and you told me a little bit about your story, it was very intriguing for me. Just the piece about you know working the nine to five and equine insurance was not on your radar. It's something that you molded in front of you basically um, and figured it out. And a lot of people don't want to invest the time the resources into figuring out how to make something like that work. And I don't remember, maybe I did ask you if you had a mentor in that whole process, but I don't, I think that maybe I did and you didn't. So you had to kind of figure it out from start to finish along the way, which that probably is the best way because then you know all of the pieces and parts of your business and you know, how to run them. I will say that I, I did have a mentor in the beginning. Um, so David Buffamore, he saw the potential in me and said, Hey, you know, I really think you would be good at this. Um, but he taught me to put skin in the game, right? He said, I'm not going to pay for you to go to school. You're going to pay for yourself to go to school. You're going to go to school. You're going to pay for the test. You're going to, you know, if I think you would be good at it, but here's what you need to do to start. And so, um, I worked in the office with him for about a month and, um, I, my dad got sick and my mom had cancer. And so I had two sick parents and just told him like, Hey, working in the office, um, with you is not going to work for me. And he said, okay, you know, you can branch out on your own work from home. If you need me, call me. If you have any questions, if you need me, call me. And so it was easier for me at the time um, to work from home and figure it out myself because I was able to uh, get up at four o'clock in the morning and work and then go take care of my dad and then come back and work and then go take care of my mom. Um, so even through hardships, I think it helped mold me because I didn't stay in the office there that was... Um, where I started. And, um, I mean, obviously if it wasn't for, for David to begin with, I wouldn't be in the equine insurance. Um, I wouldn't have known how to just jump and get started, but he has just, um, handed over the reins and let me take, take off, um, and branch off into Kay Walters insurance. But, um, 
I think it, it was, it gave me the flexibility that I needed. And then it also gave me the self-drive and the self-motivation uh, to figure it out on my own and, you know, pay for my own marketing and, and figure out what is best, like sponsoring the USTPA and getting to meet you guys, right? If I, if I didn't decide day one to become the equine insurance sponsor for the USTPA, and I have been two years in a row now, I wouldn't have met uh, other disciplines of horsewomen and men. Right. And so I think it's awesome when you sit down and look at your platform and try to figure out what's best for your business and which way you want to take it. And it's it's just great and um, rewarding the, the people that you meet along the way and the things that you learn about other disciplines that that, you know, I didn't grow up in the, the sorting and the pinning and all that. And it's just um, it's awesome to, to watch and enjoy another sport on horseback. Talking about not growing up with sorting and pinning K, you also did not grow up as a roper or, or in a roping family, correct? True. That is very true. <laughs> uh, K is, I'm going to butcher this and have this all wrong, but is it in the USTR? No? Yeah, USTRC. USTRC, okay, I was headed down the right road. Uh, <laughs> she is sitting at the top of her division in the USTRC for the end of the year. Um, and the last time I talked to her was probably about a month ago, and you were chasing that. That was your goal, is that correct? Yeah, so um, one morning a couple of months ago, I woke up to some Facebook tags and posts, and I was like, what is this? And I opened it up, and it was... Um, the USTRC cinch ladies standings and I was number three and I'm like, no way. Like I almost thought I was dreaming because, you know, I've worked at team ripping since I was 19. So um, this is going to tell my age, but for 20 years. So, you know, I've won this year. I've, I've won or since I've gotten my new horse, I've won three saddles, but you know, I chased trying to win my first buckle and first saddle. I started in 2004. I didn't win my first saddle or buckle until 2018. And so it was something that, I mean, that's a, that's a long, I mean, obviously I want a little bit of cash here and there, but um, it's just something that I've continued to work harder and harder at because I really do love team rep and it's my passion. And, you know, my, my husband has helped keep me mounted and I'm finally to the point where I, I got the right horse and we're clicking and I've won three saddles now. And I'm, I was sitting third. I've I haven't even won one K. Okay. Remy's <laughs> won a truck, saddles, buckles. She's won it all. I've, I've I won, won a trailer. Oh, also a trailer. Oh, yeah, don't forget that. And uh, we paid for our honeymoon from a World Series qualifier. What that was like when World Series started. That's so. awesome. My my kids have my kids and husband have won a lot. I'm just okay, Breck. Are we gonna make it a goal? No, I'm the world's best cheerleader. I know my See, This is what it is. When you watch Freck ride, I love her. And she's like, I'm not competitive. She's hyper competitive, but she just won't admit it. Like, I will run barefoot across glass to win a quarter. So, <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's, we, uh, we used to rope a lot. We don't rope very much anymore, but we used to rope a lot. It's also probably the most frustrating sport behind golf for me. <laughs> I would agree with that. It's You're just a like, cause it's, for me? Oh, yeah. Prep schools, man. I went to prep schools. We golfed. 
Um, I feel like I'd be a really good golf cart driver. Yeah. I, my brother likes to get bored around the ninth hole. My brother's like six years older than me. And then he would be really obnoxious on the golf course. So I don't really remember finishing very many golf courses because we would just leave. But like, so team roping is muscle memory and it's mental because like all you have to do is have the same swing every time. And, uh, we you had, make it sound so easy, Remy. Just, you it, just okay, have so to have it. we had we had Rich Shelton and Clay O'Brien Cooper doing a clinic at my house one time, and James goes, "Speed, you need to fix her swing." He goes, "I don't know how to catch it. It's because like I sidearm it really bad, and I can catch like that. But you like if I have a pretty swing, I can't catch to save my life. I am also not a good dummy roper. But you give me fresh cattle that are running off, and I will not miss. But if it's like standing right there, nothing. I was whack it in the head." <laughs> I get it. I think ropes are dangerous. I don't want to lose a finger or a hand or anything like that. So I just, I don't. It's really, but like when you hear that whack and it comes tight, it's like so satisfying. True. It's the best. <laughs> I also don't like, so okay, like it's not a big secret. I um, bitch a lot about ranch sorting because I find it highly frustrating. Rec likes to sort. She's starting to pen more now because like, I just like to ride. I like to okay, ride. Okay, so for me, ranch sorting is like, I never come off of a good ranch sorting run, and I'm like, yeah, that was awesome. I'm always like, oh, my God, I survived that. <laughs> but uh, I didn't feel like that about team roping. I don't feel like that about penning. Like, you know, sorting is my nemesis, but I'm going to go do it for three days this weekend. <laughs> um, well, you, Kay, grew up as in a 4-H family. Is that correct? And you did Western Pleasure. I swear you told me you did Western Pleasure. Yeah, I did. Um, I did Western Pleasure. And then well, I stuck with Western Pleasure for a, a little while, a couple years. And then um, it was just a little slow and boring for me. So I decided. I was just going to say it. I was in Western <laughs> Pleasure too. And I'm like, you couldn't pay me to get back on one of them horses. Like, it just looks painfully boring now. And I used to love it. Uh, I didn't love it. I was bored then, but I would always get in trouble for like standing up on my horse or like turning around backwards and not paying attention because I was bored. So I decided I was going to barrel race and my mom had a little hot headed mare and I put cones out in the pasture. The ground was horrible, but I was going to try to teach her so that I could do something faster and more fun. You know, it was a train wreck, but um, that's where I started doing one wanting to do more speed event type things. And I, like I said, I started ripping when I was 19, but um, yeah, I couldn't go back to that. Me either. Me either. Um, Do you guys rope in the World Series or just, I know you're farther east, so it's mainly USTRC, but every year in Vegas, I see like more and more entries from the east. Yeah, we have a lot of World Series qualifiers. I, I'm actually qualified. I qualified um, Labor Day weekend. I qualified for the World Series, but um I don't think we're going to be able to swing the U.S. finals in Fort Worth and the um, World Series in Vegas that close together, December to April. That's just a lot of money and a lot of traveling for us being away from the farm. And I don't want Weston to miss a lot of school. So it's kind yeah, of pick right one together. We, th that is so hard. Um, we talked, Remy and I talked about that last week is navigating how you do it all. Like Reno, the RCNC show Western States Finals is in Reno this weekend. 
Well, we were gone out to Montana last weekend. We didn't get home till midnight on Sunday, which would have meant my boys would have had to turn around on yesterday and leave to go to Reno, which is 500 miles past Salt Lake City for us. Oh. It's a haul. It's well over 24 hours. Um, and it just, it didn't make sense because homecoming was this week and both of the boys were begging me to, to be here for homecoming. Navigating that whole, their years, I suppose, their years in school and the activities between your activities, it is so hard and frustrating for me because you want to do the best thing that you can for your kids. But right. you have to miss something. For us, it's going to be Reno. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a balance and act for sure um, to figure out which ones and you know and like I feel like that's why I've dropped down in the standing some too is because I can't go to all of them and I'm not going to because you know Weston wants to fish or he plays basketball or baseball and you have to find you have to find a happy balance of what's important to you you know self self worth and self happiness to what's important to your children and what's best for the overall family and so we're choosing to do Fort Worth instead of Vegas. Um, not to say that I don't ever want to go to Vegas and rope cause I, I do, but, um, it's a different goal. right. You just have to, that one's going to get pushed back a little bit and the U S is going to be in well, the Remy, You've had to do it too, because your kids are involved in baseball and so many different things. And then people are like, Oh, you're not going to the shows. No, we're still going to the shows, but at the end of the day, you still have a family to raise and you can't. Well, yeah. So we had like a, a perfect example. I really want to go to that Estes Park show that USUPA puts on as a national level show. It looks really pretty. It looks like a lot of fun. It keeps bumping up against the boys' baseball all-stars. And there's only so many years they're going to play all-stars for baseball. So, and it sounds horrible, but there'll always be another roping. There'll always be another petting. There'll always be another swimming. But That's I don't think that time back. And my kids like to pen and sort, but it's not their passion. And honestly, I, as and James and I have this conversation a lot, you'd rather have them rope or calf rope. There's more money in it than penning and sorting. But even then, even with all the money that's in the Western industry. That's the conversation that you're having, Remy? Oh, yeah. 100%, right? And, like, and this sounds horrible. Why are you going to push your kids? And, like, I love Cody Ward. I love Cody Ward. But James and I have told him, we're like, if you're going to apprentice for someone, Go work for a real horse trainer because the money's not here. We said the same thing. We want to and, like, and, and it is. I like. I I love team penning. I love it. But am I going to push my kids to do other things? Yeah, I am because it's just it's not a big long term goal. And you you so um, World Series is really big out here. It has been really big. It can pay you very well. My friend Marky made a lot of money out here in Vegas. Um, but it's even then, it's like, okay, so like you look at what rodeos are paying now, you look at what teen ropings are paying now, and yeah, they pay a lot. You're still in it a lot of entries. So you start thinking about stuff like that. But for me, I don't want my kids to be trailer rats, right? I don't want to take them down the road every week. Pigeonholed into one thing. Yeah. I don't want my kids to be pigeonholed into one thing. I want them to know how to cut, do reining cow horse, and I want them to work for some of them guys. So that, I don't know, I feel like they have horsemanship skills that can... Yeah, if my kids don't want to do stuff with horses and cattle, then 
good. I mean, and not good. I, I want them to, I, so I have this conversation with every girl that comes to work for me. Cause I always have younger girls working for me. I should be their stepping stone. I'm not the long-term goal. Like I should be where you stop off to have fun and figure out what you're going to do with your life. Um, because, and it's not that it's not that, but like, I am very honest with the girls that work for me. This is a lot of work for a little amount of pay and really a lot of abuse physically to your body. Right. And if you want to do this, if this is your passion. I will back you 1000% and I will hook you up with whoever you need to be hooked up with. But do not make a job out of this just because you like horses and you think they're pretty. You know, it takes, it takes a lot more than that. It takes having people skills to deal with clients. It takes real horsemanship and it takes a thick skin and it takes a lot of time of self-doubt of self-doubt to be like, did I really make the right decision? Because it would have been easier. And for my boys, it's the same thing with sports. I don't care what you play, but you have to play something. So I have three cross country runners and a football player. Do you ever, um, do you ever, either one of you ever listen to Clinton Anderson? Because I did not like Clinton Anderson that much. I'll be very honest. Uh, I will tell I think I said it on the podcast. I will tell you my definitive moment with Clinton Anderson where I like fell in love with him. His was podcast? Doing, no. This was long before that. the podcast. And I've known, so there was actually two things. So one was we were at Sun Circuit and he went to go spin a horse and it just bent around his leg like this. Because, you know, he does like all, he used to do all the one side pulling. Mm-hmm. And he comes out and Matt Mills was sitting on the fence and Matt's like, I bet you wish you wouldn't have done so many one rain stops. And Clinton just flipped him off and walked off. And I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. Like, but not like in a mean way. He's just like, mm-hmm. And walked off. And then we were watching something on RFDTV and James calls me and like, Brenda, you've got to come watch this. And I was like, I'm not watching Clinton Anderson. Like, I don't need the bullshit stuff you got to buy. I'm not doing it. And he goes, no, watch this. So he's like in an arena and it is packed with people. And this is like 15 years ago. And this mayor, he's going to load this mayor off. And of course, like his halter with the knots and the ropes and all that. And this mayor pins her ears. And he takes both reins and just whack in between her ears. Ropes off. She pins her ears and goes, kicks out, and he whacks her again. And he's got the microphone. He goes, thing ever. And the best sales point ever. He goes, I'm not hitting her. I want her to think that when she pins her ears, her ears were hitting her. And I was like, if you can get a stadium full of backyard horsemen, you're amazing. I don't even care what you're selling. You are the best salesman on the face of the earth. Well, um, Brandon is, because I've met him. When I worked for Purina, he would come to the, the Purina farm in Missouri and he would sit with us and chat and he was kind of a dick bag. I thought, I mean, he was, I mean, he is. Yeah, yeah he was. And he drank a no, lot. He is. And was just he, like, but see, he's unapologetic about it. Yeah. But I didn't, he did not portray himself as the unapologetic person like that back then. Remy back then he was Again, still, he whipped a horse in between the ears in front of a bunch of carrot stick ladies and sold no. it to her. So I was like, you're awesome. I don't even have to agree with you. That's fantastic. Back then, like the Clinton that I knew was the guy who was like still making a real good living, trying to be somebody he like biting his tongue in half in front of all them carrot holding women, still making a super awesome living at that. And I think that it was making him super unhappy. That's the guy that I saw. And 
So now he's kind of quit doing that, I believe. And he's got this podcast and Brandon started listening to it. And he's like, you got to listen to this. He's like, he says exactly what all the rest of us are thinking. And he just lets her fly. He's freaking hilarious. I love it. I, I'm like, the hatred that he has <laughs> built up for the last 20 years is coming alive on his podcast. I don't know. Where was I going with the Clinton Anderson thing? It's because I said, if you don't want to be a horse trainer, you shouldn't be a horse trainer. Oh, there's yeah. No money in it. Because yeah. I mean, he does. So he made that in the, in the gauge podcast or yeah. And I think it was on the gauge podcast when he did. He's like, look, they thought you had know. to be unsuccessful and die alone as a flat hatter out in the middle of the desert. Oh, I know what I was, where I was going with that. We were talking about the people working and he, this last week, he was talking about getting these young girls in there who want, they love horses. They want to, want to work with horses, want to understand. They want to be him is what they're telling him. He's like, they can talk a really good talk. He goes, but that's a bunch of bullshit. I don't care about that. I want you to go out and show me. I want you to show me when the going gets real tough and the shit gets deep that you're willing to walk in front of me and do shit that I didn't even ask you to do. And I'm like, well, isn't that the damn truth? Cause 99% of them, they've never, we put them in such a place, this next generation that they live a coddled lifestyle. So doing the shit is really hard for a lot of them because we've never had them do the shit. Right. Well, it's okay. It's like, um, Kate was talking about going and putting cones out in her pasture, right? Like I grew up as a barn rat, a privileged barn rat, but a barn rat. So I worked for every trainer that I ever had. I used to ride. I grew up with Kate. So I grew up riding like 15 to 20 horses for trainers and not getting paid and busting my ass because I knew I was getting paid with education and information. From a very young age, I understood that. So I would go and work till my hands bled for other guys and not get paid and understood what I got in return. And now I try and get girls to like love more than six horses a day. And man, it's hard work. And I'm like, this is the fun, easy part. This right. is the easy part of the business. Just like going to horse shows for a K, right? That's the easy part. Being the sponsor, that's the easy part. It's not all the, it's not all the connections. It's not dealing with all the insurance companies. It's not filling out all the paperwork. It's not any of that. It's not explaining someone to someone that they didn't fill out their, um, their application correctly and now it's not covered. Yep. Um. How did you start your own agency though? Because I, being an agent for someone and then starting your own agency is a different beast altogether, or at least it is out here. Yeah, so I'm still affiliated um, with Premier Equine Insurance. And so I just, like, I have a satellite office off of them because the underwriters are not just going to give anyone a contract, right? And so I still have an affiliation there with um, David Bufflemore and a partnership there. I just have um, a satellite office now and, like, my own agent number and, and that sort of thing. So it's um, kind of two different branches in, in one business. But you navigated a lot of things too, Kay, because the thing that I see with equine insurance is if you find somebody that you like, it's sometimes hard to do business with them because they're not insured in a lot of states. But you 
kind of figured out how to get, because there's not many states that you're not insured in right now. Is that correct? Yeah. So that was part of my, one of my main goals is I didn't want to just be, have to focus on the Southeast, right? Obviously starting out, I had a lot of clients in South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, you know, right here in, in the Southeast, but I didn't want my hands to be tied with that. And so I've worked hard over the last three years. My assistant has a map here. I'm licensed in 46 states now. And so that's why like, um, I made sure before I, we flew to Utah that I made sure I was licensed in Utah, obviously, before the elite finals, I made sure that I had Texas and and then all the neighboring states, because, you know, you guys travel. And if you go to the next show a couple of states over and they your horse gets hurt, you call me or something happens and your and your friends like, hey, who do you use? Man, she answered the phone at eight o'clock at night and helped you. Who is that? And you can say that's Kay Walters and not have to worry about, am I licensed in the two states over that your friend lives in that doesn't have insurance, but now watching your horse get sick and you call me and they're being there for you, um, drew a spark in them. That's like, I need that. You know, that'd be nice to have. Horses are expensive now, you know, and you don't want to lose an expensive horse. And obviously you're not going to replace that, that horse, but at least you have the money to go buy another one and, and, and start not at the bottom, right? Not dipping into your savings account to buy another horse or um, like me, you know, I'm going broke buying another one because I need one because one's broken. But, you know, um, it's just, it's, it's nice to have to be able to to serve 46 states. And um, when there is word of mouth, I'm still available. So will you be at USCPA finals, Kate? I won't this year. Um, I've committed to the truck open in Statesboro, Georgia, um, and a couple of other. He doesn't want to go back to Amarillo. I don't want to go back to Amarillo. No one wants to go back to Amarillo. <laughs> yeah, Fort Worth would have been better. No comment, Remy? Anywhere would be better than Amarillo. <laughs> <laughs> and like, okay, look, I understand why we go to Amarillo. They give us a lot of money, but I'm like, man, this is too long to be in Amarillo. Um, I don't actually like Fort Worth better because it's really expensive. <laughs> True. But, uh, there's there's other venues. I mean, so we put on a really big show in Vegas every year, and Great American was one of our title sponsors. And um, I've seen them pay out claims on really like, and it's the same thing, right? People either over insure their horses or under insure them, but I've seen them pay out some very some very weird claims and. I, I, and I think it's, and maybe it is just a culture thing. A lot of our guys up here have horses insured. As a trainer, when someone brings me in, like, of course I have insurance, but I tell people that if they bring horses in training, they should be insured also. And then I get the binders and all of that. So that we're, I recommend, I know who to call when something goes wrong. Yes. And I recommend that horses be insured as well. And somebody, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday who's new into the horse business. And he's like, hell, I didn't even know that you should insure horses. And I'm like, especially from someone like yourself, who's just learning the ropes. It's, it's an expensive hobby that you should probably have the insurance on them just in case something would happen. Yeah, for sure. And it's obviously a good conversation to have. And I do work with a lot of trainers that require it um, to take some liability off them. But then um, not only do we write specific policies for each horse, but we do commercial equine liability for trainers and um, boarding barns and lessons and that sort of thing. And then I can also write a farm package policy. So 
I tell the the trainers, obviously, um, care, custody, and control is a good thing for you to have to protect you for, uh, from a liability standpoint. But it's also a good thing to talk to your people that are bringing horses into you, like, hey, is your horse insured? And you know, if they, if it's not, you can say, you know, it's a really good thing to have, or we require here, however you run your business, but you know, it does take a little bit of liability off you. Whereas in they're more apt to not sue you over their horse dying or getting sick because their horses, that's going to happen. Right. Um, they're more apt to not see you if they're going to, if they have their own policy and they're going to get paid. Um, it's just what I've seen the trend look like. Yeah. I mean, I think horses are always trying to die and in new ways. A lot of times. Always. Yeah. And, and I tell, I tell people it's not, You're up in the on it. <laughs> right. It's not when, or it's not, if it's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. Because I swear every day you're like, how did you do that? Where did the scratch come from? Why are you bleeding? Like what happened? Yeah. I, uh, if you're not, and this is the other thing, like I tell people, they're like, oh, you know, they're meant to work and they are look, there's no PETA stuff for me. But like, do you look at how horses are built and you're like, that's kind of a big joke that God played, right? They have a giant body, big lungs, and a big heart on four stick legs. And they run real fast. <laughs> and then we ask them to turn on top of it. So, you know. Right. Um, I'm going to turn the tables a little bit here. But Remy, uh, are you still doing good on your Facebook hi hiatus? Yeah, I actually don't give a shit. I don't and either. But Brandon does. So... Like oh, James men. does because he sends me TikToks, you know, because he was the one that's like, you're always on TikTok. I'm like, I'm not always on TikTok. Oh, no, he's sending reels. Reels, you know, Remy. There's well, a difference. The reels are all the same. They're this, and half of them are TikToks. It's got a little TikTok thing. Um, so I, I had this. So, Kay, like, again, if you haven't watched all of them, I don't care what people think of me. In a that's very, like, in a, like, a very non-petty or vindictive way, like, I care deeply about people. I ask people's opinions, but like at the root of it, I don't care what people think about me. So uh, I got off of social media. Honestly, I, it came out of something else, but now I haven't been on it for like six weeks. I think it's been a long time. So Remy and I both were taking a hiatus from our. But she she announced her hiatus. I just ghosted everyone. Well, I know I did it. I did it. I've been off of it for a while, and I announced it last week because. <sighs> But every now and then, so Brandon watches my, we have a, it's my Facebook account, but Brandon's on it daily and he looks at it. Anyhow, um, yesterday he was like, Bracky, there's, this is terrible. You should read it. There's an Amish family that has horses. Um, I believe that he's from the Rochester, Minnesota area. Super sweet family. I used to sell them horse feed when I worked for Purina. And yes, on Monday, the kids were going to school in their cart and pony and got struck from behind by a vehicle and it killed two of the little kids and the other two are in critical condition and the pony died. It just is heartbreaking and kills me that that happened. So yeah, prayers to the middle Miller family. And I just wanted to share that with you. So I will tell you, I had to unfollow news outlets a long time ago on um, social media not because I thought it was fake news, but because it was like, especially out here, it was almost everything was like a murder, a robbery gone wrong, or a child molestation. And I was like, I'm okay not seeing any of this. So I uh, never want to see things like that 
and uh, I'm gonna pretend that it doesn't happen, and I'm sorry for them and the family. But yeah. so, anywho, well, thank you so much for your time, Kay. I hope you had fun today this yeah. morning. Absolutely. Also, side note, where I was going with it, I don't care. It's been great to be off of social media because it really is like I have nobody passing a judgment on anything. Not that it mattered, but like I don't have to see them be judgy to other people either. I don't that know what so I really concerning. got off of it. I just feel like it was giving me an icky feeling. You know that icky feeling that you sometimes get from social media? Um, I think that's the only reason I got off of it because I just needed a break and – Sometimes I just get so tired of like, things are not perfect. And I don't like, I'm, life is not perfect. It's not meant to be perfect. So I don't know what you're talking about. That. I like I'm to see that there. My life is fantastic and amazing and nothing ever goes wrong. Can I also I, tell you guys this story? I, that. I feel like you might appreciate this. So... We left on Thursday to go out to Montana, Kay. And um, as I age, I get weirder and weirder about certain things. Food being one of them. Did you have to cross a bridge to get there? I feel like I'm overcoming that fear. I have, Good. we did cross several and I was getting better, but I'm at the stage or point in my life where I'm super weird about food. I uh, could never do a potluck, not really into that. I could if I knew if there was a name tag on each dish that said where it came from i i could then but we otherwise, could judge the people for their cleanliness of their food so <laughs> i was starving i was so hungry but we couldn't get into a lot of places with our truck and trailer so we stopped in miles city and there happened to be a truck stop with mcdonald's within walking distance and brandon said you walk, I'll fill up with diesel. You go get us food. I said, deal. So I walk over there. And as I'm walking into McDonald's, there's an employee sitting on the curb looking at his phone <clears throat> with his finger, like clear up in his nose. And I was like, oh my God, dear baby Jesus. I don't think I can do this. So I walked in there. I ordered Brandon his food and I got a coffee. And I, I went to the bathroom and I called him from the bathroom. I'm like, are you still in the truck stop? And he's like, yeah, why? I'm like, just grab me a bag of Gardettos. And he's like, oh, okay. So we get in the truck. I've got my coffee, my Gardettos, and I hand him his bag. And he's like almost done with his sandwich. <laughs> and he looked over at me and he's like, what? Why are you eating? I'm like, oh, I wasn't hungry. And he's like, huh? He takes another bite and he's like, why aren't you eating? I'm like, nothing. Just continue. Eat your sandwich. Eat your sandwich for it. You throw, throw it all out. And then he like throws the sandwich down and he goes, what the fuck did you see? <laughs> nothing. I didn't see anything. You don't want to know. Just eat your sandwich. Oh, God, you guys. I can't do it. I just. See, I figure I have enough like antibiotics and vaccines in me from all the stuff we do. Like if that You would have eaten that. Me, you would have went in there and eaten that. He, he wasn't the one making your sandwich. He was sitting on the curb. Yes. He, no, he went in. He, I knew he was going in. He, he walked back in and 
then he was I back in like, there. I can blow your mind with, do you eat peanut butter? Hmm? Do you eat peanut butter? Stop it right now, Remy. Yeah, I, mean, I, I do eat peanut mind. butter and I really like best. it. I'm not listening to you. La, but, la, la. I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to say it, but there's gross facts about peanut butter. But uh, I think we all pick stuff to get weird about. Like, okay, so I can't, when I drive, I can't have stuff on my lap. I can have stuff around my feet. If I have stuff on my lap, I get claustrophobic and hot and, like, lose my shit. Like, like what would you have on your lap when you're driving? Give me an example. I don't understand. Like, uh, one day we were, like, it'll be like I'll be working on the laptop or I got stuff and James gives me papers. And I'm supposed to be looking at them and I just get, like... <laughs> Another time we were making party favors on the way to somewhere, and I like. So you weren't driving. No, it's in the passenger. Oh, seat. I know. Weird stuff. All right. Well, thank you anyhow for your time today, Kay. It was a good conversation. We appreciate you coming on with us. And what are where can people find you, Kay? Uh, I have Facebook, Instagram, a website. If you don't do social media, kwalters.com. There's a link where you can get a quote. Um, my cell phone number's all over the Facebook or the website. Nice. Or the team roping. <laughs> or the well, team good roping. Luck. We had a, should um, we have the truck roping in October? Keep it posted to how you're doing in the year end. Yeah, the finals are in April next year for this year. So, but. Well, best I'll of luck. You, let you know. Thank you. It was nice talking to y'all. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Well, we'll see everybody next week. Until then, be bold, be brave, be humble. Did I get that wrong? You did. Look at you, gold star. <laughs> All right. See you next week. Thank Bye. you again, Kay. Oh, my God.